What's up, guys? It is the Outdoor Holics bringing you another episode of the Four Peas in a Pod podcast. I'm Barrett Horselman. I'm Hunter Stroll. I'm Tucker Harris. I'm Ricky Schwartz. And we are thrilled today to be out at the Double Drop Ranch in Riverside, Texas. Uh, we have the head foreman of the ranch on our podcast as a guest, Mr. Marco Antonio Pardo. And again, he is the head foreman, and we are really glad to have him on. We're going to get a lot of insight to what he does day to day, um, really what a game ranch entails, and then uh, go from there. What's up, guys? I'm Marco, and I am the manager of Double Drop Ranch. Guys, it's good to see y'all. Glad to be here. I'm glad we finally got to hang out. These boys are some of my best friends, and, and I'm honored and glad they asked me to be on here with them. So I'm looking forward to it. But uh, Double Drop Ranch, we're right under about a 1,000 acres. We're located just about 15 miles outside of Huntsville, Texas. We specialize in, in corporate groups and, uh, and big events. Um, and really, we're, we're here for anybody. Um, we have about 25 species of exotics and big whitetail all around the ranch. Um, we, we can really offer anything. We have amazing bass fishing. We do skeet shooting. Um, pretty much anything that that uh, we can offer, we'll, we'll definitely take care of people. So, and real quick, just to add on to that, we also he does have a pretty good uh, long range setup. So I think after after the podcast, that's one of our plans is to take some of the big guns out and get to shooting. Hell yeah, let's do that. I'm down. Sure. I got the seven mag, got the six five. About to go let them fly. See how Absolutely. far we can stretch it out with old Papa Trey not here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, without him, we're a little. A little screwed. Yeah. That's kind of the brand. But, it, but it's all right. We'll figure it out somehow. I mean, you know, we're not that smart. But I think. <laughs> so what did y'all think about this snow, first of all, before we start? Did it affect any of y'all anywhere? Barrett? Uh, I guess I'll start, I guess. Yeah, so it's, I mean, our day-to-day lives, I mean, changed a little bit. We had to, well, at first we stayed at our house for like two nights of it. Um, he was off, obviously, but had a lot of blankets. We were good. Um, and then our friend's house ended up having power and water on. So we were like, okay, might as well go stay over there. So we did. And then our landlord calls us and said, Hey, pipes are breaking at other residents that are in the area. Maybe y'all should go check it. So we do. And we go in the house and we're like, okay, no big deal. And then all of a sudden we see water like everywhere in the front like area. So I was like, damn, a, you know, a, a water pipe did break. Uh, fortunately, actually, it was the neighbor's house. We live in like a duplex, so it ended up going under the floors from his side into our house. Mm. Didn't actually That's, mess up uh, any of our stuff. It, you know, floated the floors a tad bit. Um, but unfortunately, obviously, it was soaking wet and it, you know, it was cold ass water. So we basically uh, just turned the water off. We still didn't have power, so we stayed at our friend's house, and then eventually we got power. So. Other than having to stay somewhere else um, and food not being like a normal day-to-day food options, uh, it was pretty much okay. Yeah, I figured it'd be tough. It's not often Houston gets a lot of snow. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, honestly, <laughs> from what my parents had told me, though, you know, roads in Houston were not near as bad as I think here in this area. But I know, uh, I mean, the first day of snow, was, I would say it was cool. The dogs had a ton of fun, but... After that, I'm like, okay, I can't do any. Tired of it. I can't do any. Yeah, I can't do any of my normal like day to day activities that I you know do on a daily basis. So that that got old really really quick. You're just ready for it to go. I had a I had a client I had to call from North Dakota on Friday, and he said, uh, uh, he I, I called him and he said, well, I heard y'all have a little cold front down there. I said, yeah. I said, man, we are suffering. He goes, he goes, well. 
I'm sitting in my office right now. I'm looking at a thermostat, and it is negative 50 degrees where we are. And I said, well, I'm, I'm not going to bitch anymore then. Yeah. <laughs> I saw the meme on a page, and it was like something about people in Wisconsin, and it was like 60 degrees, they're sunbathing, and then it was like negative 50. They're still walking around with shirts yeah. off or something. And I was like, But isn't it amazing how because it was that cold here, and we walked outside like yesterday or today, and it's 36 degrees, and you're like, wow, it feels really good out here. Yeah, like, I want to wear shorts. Yeah, yeah I want to wear shorts. But, yeah, no. Hey, I'll tell you what, this, when it snows like this, the weather gets like this in Texas, and people aren't used to driving in it, it lets you know how many people do not need a fucking driver's license. Well, I mean, I helped, like, 20 people in one day that got stuck ditch. in Elkins yeah. on my neighborhood on one hill. Yeah, it also tells you, like... Like if you don't have four wheel drive, stay, stay off the road. Stay off the road. Like, yeah. like, it's just not why do they even make two wheel drive cars? I really don't get it. The cars but. that I saw that were like pulled over or did wreck, they were like all two wheel drive. Yeah, four wheel drive, it can happen, but that's obviously a lot safer. But I think speaking of all the snow on a lot of social media pages that I follow, like with specific like exotic hunting, they had a ton of like Axis and Black Buck die. Um, I know Tucker owns his ranch, so we can talk to him about his ranch. But did you have any experiences with? You know, animals not making it through. Honestly, no. Um, now, I did see that that uh, a lot of ranches out in West Texas and Central Texas had a lot of access and black buck die. I talked to some people here, and they have lost a couple. So it's probably one or two things. I haven't seen a lot of people or know of a lot of people. I mean, I saw I saw die. one trailer that had like, yeah that trailer with a bunch of access. I mean, there was there was a it was like Lone Star. My out show my guess that. is that those were probably in a breeder pen of some guy that probably doesn't go to his place often and didn't get the chance to really prep them for yeah. that weather. And they were probably stuck without. They, if they were in a small pen and had one source of water, and that water froze over, that yeah. water was frozen for four days. Yeah. Now they can eat snow and stuff like that, but it really—I mean—a lot of snow equals very little water. So, so that was more than likely, my opinion, okay. probably what happened. But no, we didn't lose any animals. We we kept alfalfa out, um, but maybe we were just lucky. So with that. I mean, you're pretty much all your access. I mean, any exotics actually are pretty much all free range here. Well, within the um, yeah. high fence. So, did you do anything specific for the cold weather, or just the alfalfa and make sure they had water? I mean, you just make sure to give them um, give them a lot, a lot of food. Um, make you know, obviously ours are in one pasture, so they have a. We have two big, three big lakes, so I mean, they can go get water, and those are too big to freeze over. So. Um, you just give them a lot of feed, make sure the proteins are filled up. Um, we put alfalfa, an overload of alfalfa out. But if you go to about the south east side of like tree lines where the winds block from the northwest where this weather's coming out of, then you can row a whole line of alfalfa and put bags of corn over it. And corn's got a lot of starch too, so it kind of helps them in this weather. Not necessarily good for the for the hot weather, but corn does help them a lot in this weather. So lots of corn, lots of feed, lots of hay. Well, that's good to hear that, you know, you didn't have too many problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no, we didn't have a lot, thankfully. I don't know, my place, I was out there, I guess, Tuesday, Wednesday, like when the snow was the heaviest, and I saw my deer running around. I didn't find any dead ones, but, you know, yeah. then again, I wasn't really looking for them either. We were kind of yeah. just yeah. You know, around. a lot of the animals we have, like buffalo, elk, red deer, fallow, all they that kind of that. stuff. Yeah, I mean, they, they're used to that weather. Obviously, axes, black buck from India, they're not necessarily, yeah. you know, used to this kind of weather. But, you know, they're they're animals, and they know how to survive. So you give them the food, and, and 
and the ammo, they'll get through it as long as not many days. So, yeah, no, we didn't see any issues. That's good. I mean, this is one of the longest, I guess, freezes we've had. So usually, like, I was concerned about the black book because I don't want to go in the in the woods as much. Yeah, they but, say they have like the thinnest coats and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, they're small. Yeah. They yeah. they want to stay in the open. They sit I, there and just. What was funny? I did see a lot of animals driving around, especially the rea birds we have. Um, you would drive by even I would drive by herds of axis and whitetail and we have warthogs so the warthogs I saw that I videoed that on the lane we have warthogs so one of the cool things they were doing was they were you would drive by and they'd be on the icy road or in the snow and they'd pick up one of their feet because it was cold and so they would just sit there and they'd shake their foot off and they'd put it back down and it was funny seeing that I saw a lot of animals do that and it was it was pretty cool pretty funny the whitetail really didn't seem to care I mean honestly actually had them moving pretty good. Yeah, no, they, they didn't care at all. We, I don't think we're going to have many issues from those whitetails. So. I, I would think the only thing that would really have an issue is the black buck. Because you know how like the black buck males will stay on their spot, and for whatever reason, that's their spot. They won't move. They'll freeze yeah, in place. Territory thing, yeah. yeah. They'll freeze in place. Yeah, ours, I, I don't know. Maybe they just got too cold. They were ready. But, yeah, I have seen some black buck that actually people have found the next day completely frozen in a stand-up position because they will not leave their spot it's it's kind of a territory deal but weird question the animal dies because they're freezing Mm -hmm. they freeze to death the meat obviously is then cold could you eat it oh absolutely okay the question is do you want to let it sit out there for i'll let it sit out there for four (laughs) days and then (laughs) and then skin it whenever it gets hot again yeah so at least at least you can you know salvage yeah. meat and give it in you know oh, yeah. you don't necessarily need it but you could donate it to yeah we we donate and give it away i know yeah. we know a lot of friends and families around here we'll give it to them so yeah no definitely doesn't go to waste that's no good. not at all so well uh i guess give us a little history on how well before we even get into how you got out to double drop and kind of your career that you've chosen um since college you know didn't really work out for you me either. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get into that, kind of maybe give a brief history on like how you grew up with the hunting experiences yeah. and kind of how you're, you know, I guess you've, you've gained acquaintances to get to where you are yeah. now. Um, and then also kind of how your friendship, I think more so with like maybe Tucker and then Hunter started and how y'all have grown yeah. in the hunting world together. Yeah. So I think it was probably back... Well, first of all, my family's always hunted. My family has always, I've always grew up hunting. You know, Tucker and Hunter know that. And, you know, Barry, my, my grandpa has always either owned a lease somewhere or, you know, we had, we owned property somewhere. So, um, I grew up hunting, loved hunting, loved all kinds of hunting. Well, uh, he didn't know what he was doing for a long time. I didn't know what I was doing for a long time. <laughs> Still don't. But so Tucker and Hunter and Barry and I went to school, um, at, since you know, honestly, I think me and you actually known each other the longest since like probably third grade. Third grade. Well, yeah. I would have known Mark before you. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Barrett would have so been I, around. I oh, that's right. Have you. But an actual friendship way, no, you would have one. Yeah. So regardless so, I mean, of the fact, sure, we all sure became Mark friends. Fun of me. Yeah, probably. Kid, so. We all became friends because we like hunting. So. Tucker, um, Tucker, his dad has a, a ranch right off of 75 in Huntsville. And just go and tell him where it is. Yeah. You know, so address. I'm going to give it up. my social, too. <laughs> you, you might need to put some locks on those gates. <laughs> there's no and, gate. Uh, there's no gate. Just come on in and shoot yeah, whatever you want. White cattle guard. Look for that one. And so the, when 
Tucker, we would all go, always go out there and just, you know, screw off. We'd spotlight at night, spotlight raccoons and stuff like that. Well, um, legally, Tuck, legally yeah. <laughs> and Tucker would, he would always, every time there was a hunt, he'd ask me to come help him. And I, I could tell you, I could remember the first time driving around asking Tucker being like, how do you even know how old an axis deer is? And Tucker, he, Tucker taught me kind of what, what I, what really got me interested, I guess, to begin with. And, uh, and Tucker grew up around it. And so I'm sure he was probably pretty already tired of it by the time I was, I was ready to do it. But, um, I, Tucker taught me a lot, you know, black buck and, you know, how long to tell they were when they were running the field, how long they were, how big they were. And so I really grabbed that and really kind of loved it and, and strived to really do it, um, afterwards. Well, it didn't, after I helped Tucker for a little bit, I went and, uh, got a football scholarship to play at Texas Lutheran. So, um, that didn't work out. And unfortunately I came back here and, you know, kind of <laughs> hung out with Tucker, helped him around the ranch and, and Hunter just kind of did anything. I One can. problem was that, uh, Marco being colorblind couldn't tell the difference between an axis and a spotted fallow for the longest time. Yeah. That was pretty funny. Yeah. Axis, no, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> Had to learn the way they move and run and walk. Yeah. <laughs> but. No, I really, I really kind of, kind of took it and ran with it, and then uh, it just kind of progressed to to being here. So I've been here ever since the beginning, since it was since it was created. And it's fun, and I think I've been here for seven years. So yeah, I think you would have been twenty fifteen. Yeah, it was fifteen. Yeah, it was. Yeah, two thousand fifteen. Yeah, I, I was like going into college when I, was I, yeah, I think I like just yeah. started college. So six years, years. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it's been that long. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. I, I think. What's cool is, is, you know, we're on video right now. People will be able to see the background. We're going to release a cool video to kind of show what the ranch is. Um, but it has evolved. Um, obviously, it was always you know, mm-hmm. five-star five you know, quality, uh, but it definitely has evolved. And so you're going to see a lot of cool things. But um, over those six years, Marco's done a phenomenal job to, to get it to where it is now. Old yeah. Jim took a gamble on you, didn't he? He did. He, <laughs> he did. Well, and I actually remember I had a friend. I, I don't remember what friend it was, but they were talking about how um, they thought they were going to get the job. I think it was, it was uh, is it Anthony? Anthony. Yeah, he thought he was going to get the job, so he was pumped because he, he worked with my dad, and uh, come to find out he doesn't get the job, and Marco did, and then Marco was like the young guy out here, but then, you know, just put the work in, and now, I mean, the place is, the place is unreal. Yeah, we've had a lot of fun with it. It's grown a lot. It was actually a deer lease. And some of my first days, it was it was an old paper mill company, and it was uh, it was just leased by a bunch of local individuals. So everything from the high fence to the roads to the lakes to the buildings, we've seen it all. As a matter of fact, where we're sitting right now is where I used to park tractors. So <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird. I, I remember that. Yeah, you remember that. Yeah, it's kind of weird to that think piece that right way. Yeah, it was that piece was a wall. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, y'all can't see the building, but I'm sure Barrett will show you later. But uh, it was all. Just closed off, and this was a big alley and with dirt, and we kept tractors yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So it's grown a lot. It's been fun oh, yeah, doing fun. it and uh, learning along the way and getting to meet those people. Yeah, so. I think the only thing that hadn't changed was really just the front bathroom and bedroom right there, huh? Yeah, really, that yeah. was it. And the kitchen was on this other yeah, side. Yeah, because the sink used to be like, or the kitchen used to be This wasn't room. behind us. No, all that no. wasn't there. So, yeah, it's, it's grown exceptionally. But I also want to touch on, like, when you first started it, it was like, I mean, I guess you would still call it private now because it is for hiring people to be able to come out uh, to experience it. So uh, you could want to call it private if you want to, but before it was very, very private. Um, you actually didn't really have that, I don't think, that many hunts out here. 
Uh, when you first you had to be asked to come, <laughs> yeah, when you first started it, which oh, that's obviously has its, has its perks to it, you know, because yeah. you know that the people that are coming are going to be really good. Um, but also now, you know, you are, you would say, more public now. Um, more hunts happening every single year. You cater to specific people, but they, if someone has the money to come out here, they can. How has that changed for you, and how has the upkeep changed to have more people coming out? Um, yeah, so before it was definitely a lot more private. Jim Jim really loved having his kind of his own stuff and kind of keeping keeping things um, to himself, you know. Yeah. And, and and that's just how he wanted it. So yeah, but now since we do more corporate groups and clients and and stuff like that, the upkeep upkeep is a little bit different. You know, you're having. You're having, um, you know, big companies and oil companies and groups of guys that come in for three or four or five days at a time. And, um, when they leave, you didn't get to do any work during those five days that, the, that a ranch requires. So now you're playing catch up. So there's a lot more, I guess, you know, work, but, um, definitely more money to be made if, if in that case. So I, I think it's a little bit more exciting. Um, you know, I, I enjoy both ways, but, um, a lot more money. A lot more money yeah. that way. A lot more money obviously pays the bills. Yeah. Uh, Which a place also, like this is hard. But I think <laughs> it kind of depends good. what you want, though. I mean, if you want it secluded and you have the money to pay yeah. for it, then you do that. No, we're definitely not cheap. I mean, that's that's one thing. But, but uh, I don't think you need to be cheap. No. I mean, no. people aren't seeing it right now completely, like, but... If you look at the place, you can tell it's on a cheap place. Like, I mean, what's your most expensive white tail? You think? I mean, you know, twenty five, thirty thousand dollars. So, but and here's the deal: you you can go you can go to a lot of places and and you can get things cheaper. But when you do come here, you're going to be the only person here. Um, this is going to be like your home. You're going to get to hang out with like minded guys. Um, like get like your ass kissed. Yeah, get your ass kissed a little bit. Stay like, in actually good lodging because yeah. I know Tucker yeah, has experience. Get your own. Get your own. Yeah. Room. Get your own temper pitting mattress. Tucker has experience of going in, going in, having awesome hunts, but also having terrible like living conditions. Yeah. you would say so. Oh, yeah, that's the perks of yeah. You pay some more money, but I mean, you look at the place and you're like, okay, I feel like I mean, most likely this is. Well, to the people that come out here, probably not nicer than their homes, but I know for my home and stuff, this is obviously yeah. 10 times nicer than what I have. So it is obviously you're getting a lot out of it. Yeah, and, and you're not just questioning what you're coming into. You know that when you get here, it's, it's going to be a legitimate business, legitimate operation. So you're going to come out here and get five-star everything, meals, the food's wonderful, fishing. Wonderful. It's a redneck four seasons. Redneck yeah. four seasons. I was going to relate to that. I'm like, okay, are you going to stay at a four seasons or are you going to go stay at a Radisson? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you both, you get that condition of a bed, but like four seasons, okay, I'm going to take that any day if I have the chance yeah. to I do mean, it. Even to speak to that i've seen guys come in here that have bukus of money and still walk in and be blown away like yes their expectations were at a certain point but when they walk in they see where they get to sleep the accommodations yeah. they're like wow like that's not even looking at it online that's not what i was expecting yeah yeah you know. absolutely i've stayed at places where i wish i had a motel six <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty bad yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. when you walk into a little cabin that was their grandma used to live there, but she's dead now, and she still has all of her stuff. And they say you can't sleep in her room because that's her special room. And there's a one, there's no service, and there's one landline phone, and the cords cut. You kind of yeah. went wrong. And I know, and I know you're not lying either, because there's so many times where we're like, I think all of us are like texting you, like, 
hey, what'd you get? And you won't text back for like three days. Yeah. <laughs> and then he'll, go, he'll be like, I'm on top of a mountain. I have service. And I'm like, I'm going to send it to you right now. Yeah. And I'm One like, time I slept in a hospital like, bed in, in, a, in, a, like in a living room. Like that was a that hospital was, bed. That was the only bed there that was left for me. It was a fucking hospital bed. Really, the only people that recline. sleep in a hospital bed in a living room are people that don't have a good outcome. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's why the grandma had that because I was at the same place. Oh, yeah, no. Probably before she died. Not gonna They're catch me. They're hunting animal. you there, not animals. That was not very successful though. We didn't even see an elk. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say it's worth it if you. Were no, successful. no, no, no. We left three days early. Yeah. That's a typical trick. I don't blame me on that. So another question I have, and I mean, obviously other guys have questions too. So one question I would have is, is you were private. You weren't even allowed to have social media, no, nothing. It's like, we could, you didn't even really want to, I don't think, tell people about it. Cause oh, it was yeah, like pictures so private, at that you know? yeah. It was like, you don't even want to show people's pictures. And now it's like you have a full social media platform. I think you said 20,000 plus people on Facebook, 10,000 plus on Instagram. So how has that evolved the place? Does that actually bring you business, or is it just like good, um, good to have? And it, it does a little bit of both. It's it's good to have just because I know people like seeing kind of what's going on, and guys that have hunted here like to see what's going on. And it's kind of just a break to get to kind of catch up with, yeah. with other things that maybe they care about. But um, it, it it comes with a lot of you know pros and cons. You know the the pros are yeah it does it does bring business. I meet a lot of great people through through social media. Matter of fact, you know I'm not going to name their names, but a couple of our biggest you know customers are from social media. Um, but you know it brings a lot of cons because you know maybe not everybody. Um, uh, and that's okay. Can afford a place like this, yeah. and so we get a lot of questions. And yeah, we're we just we're we're upfront about it. We're not here mm-hmm. for the budget guys, and that's fine. That's me sending my way. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're not here for the budget guys, and and you know that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just that you 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 know you got to sift through some of that. But at the end of the day. Um, we're not opposed to anything. We're, we're willing to help anybody out. Yeah. Um, we give a, you know, we want to give a lot to donation. We do, um, uh, outdoor 316 ministries and, and a lot of those guys, Will Rollins and belt fed apparel. And, and we, we like supporting people and, um, places like this just aren't a big money making place. Yeah. So, well, uh, I think you're able to give people referrals to like, Hey, yeah. this isn't for you, but like. I've got Tucker's Place or, you know, other people that have ranches that, you know, can be more affordable. I think with the social media you were talking about, yeah, you do get probably... Yeah, we do. Stupid stupid comments of like... You know, the the biggest question... How much is a dough? Yeah. Brr, the biggest that's question such a rip is, off. Is like, <laughs> it's like, how much is an axis? Like, if you lead into the question of how much is an axis, you're obviously not prepared to kill an axis because you yeah. should have an idea of how much an axis yeah, is. Yeah, you know, and there's a lot of work. I see a lot of people saying, you know, axis dough for $350. Well... You know, that, there's there's over five hundred dollars worth of work that goes in this. Yeah. just a little dough like that, and so a lot yeah, of people you don't make don't any money off those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's people don't understand also what it takes to run this place out here. So yeah, no, yeah, no your axes are more expensive than Tucker's axes, but the conditions that you give them and the amount of like feed and everything that yeah, you he has offer people them, on payroll. That you know, he has yeah, to pay it's a big, it's a bigger thing. So obviously, your prices are going to be more expensive than you than what Tucker's would be. Yeah. But there's a reason for that. Um, and I mean, obviously, if you could charge less, maybe you would. But yeah, same reason people go to a pay. nice restaurant instead of Golden Corral. Right. That's really the answer to it. They you want, still have to meet your like 
Yeah. You start to break even at least. Yeah. You don't you want to do more than break even. So. Yeah, but and then like I said, you know, we're not just totally so against, you know, all uppity up, you know. We're like I said, we do anything to help, you know, anybody out. Um we have a lot of local friends and stuff like that and people that you know, we donate a lot of meat to and we you know, we have, you know, people that come fishing and you know, kinda hanging out. So it's it's not like we're just pushing everybody away, but yeah. It's a uh, it's definitely Definitely not the cheapest cheapest hunt you will go on. <laughs> well, I think I think let's get away from the price point now. Uh, obviously, it is what it is. Um, it's obviously worth it if you have it. But I think let's get into some more like the actual stories behind the ranch. Um, maybe some of your best and worst experiences of guiding, um, and kind of go from there. Also, you can talk about how horrible of an employee Hunter was for you. Oh, um, Hunter was terrible. And, and go with that. <laughs> no, Hunter was a really good employee. Um, but let's see, some of the worst and best stories. Oh yeah, last time I gave my horror story, a good one. What's your like? What's your like? The horror story of like like the worst thing that happened. Like it's like the oh my god, this could not have been any freaking worse. Like give a little quick so, rundown. Someone like wounded a deer, you chase it around, and like you shot the wrong deer, like shit like that. Like, what, uh, like, I know you've had. I mean, I've been involved in some of them, so I know. Like, yeah. <laughs> so we had this one, one uh, that still haunts you. One yeah, that, still one that keeps you up. At All night. right. So I'm not gonna name his name. Uh, uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> but he is a professional baseball player. Um, he's a pitcher. Uh, and I think he's played on about eight or nine teams. I was about really to say, know. what team did he play on? Let's I'll, narrow it down. Eight or nine bit. teams. So there you His go. Y'all, name can, y'all can all choose. He's <laughs> all my man. So anyway, this guy is about six, six, probably 280 pounds. And, um, and he wanted to bow hunt a bison. So I was like, okay, well, yeah, we can do that, you know. And he shows up out of his truck, and he's just a big man, you know. He's pulled – I figured he'd pull back, you know, 85 pounds or something. Mm-hmm. No, his bow's drawing like 45 pounds, maybe, <laughs> for being six foot six and 280. <laughs> so we get out, and – yeah, maybe see, he has yeah. shoulder issues, so they don't want to have to have Tommy John. Yeah, t- yeah. <laughs> so we get out after this buffalo. Just throw the ball fashion the bow shoots. And shape, bro. Probably could. Just throw the fucker. Why we're not? sitting in this yeah. pop up line, and these and the, and the buffalo eventually. And y'all fit in way. there together? Do what? Y'all fit in there together? <laughs> yeah, we fit. He has luxury pop up lines. Yeah, oh, I forgot. I forgot. This wasn't a game winner. Large pop up line. They blew my mind the first time I hopped in there. I was like, whoa! It's a big line. Seen those ones that are completely like see-through? Do y'all have yeah, those? I, no, we don't have that. I have seen about those. I have seen. Like them. when you get in it, it's cam on the outside, obviously. But then oh, when you get in it, walls? it's like it's like it's one like way, like a one way. way. Yeah. And yeah. you see everything. Yeah. But yeah. that looks it's like a it's like, like the two-way mirror. Yeah, it's like five hundred plus for like a small one. And I was like, okay, yeah. Man, it's I don't like the way that baboon's looking at me. I'm telling you, that baboon is staring me down. Like he. What, what's the deal? No, there's something wrong with that baboon. It probably got sexually assaulted as a child. I think it did. No offense if that's... It looks like it's trying to sexually assault me. This is like peering into my soul. Yeah, they'll we stare at you. Fair to pull Where's the draft right there? He's looking no, like, that's a good fucking looking draft right there. I like that draft. <laughs> what's your name it? Melvin. Melvin? But Marco continues. Oh, yeah. Sorry No, no, sorry. I forgot about the buffalo story. So, anyway, we're sitting in this blind. These buffalo work their way up to a feeder, and he draws back the bow. This buffalo is probably 15 yards max, and I'm sure, hopefully, everybody listening has seen the size of a buffalo. It's large. And 
Um, he shoots it about two feet back and high and just dead straight shoots it in the gut. I mean, right in the gut. Well, his arrow is flying, you know, 45-pound draw. You're probably looking at five feet per second, damn near. The, so. broad, the broadhead went. This thing the, is, actually, actually yeah, penetrated. is lobbing got from the bow out like in the atmosphere back it down. Like snapped. <laughs> And it just lodges about two inches into this buffalo. Does nothing. Yeah, pretty much does nothing. And uh, I know it's cruel, so here's the end of the story. But we're chasing this buffalo. This buffalo's mad. He gets another arrow in it. Probably, I mean, same spot. Damn near. I mean, this arrow goes maybe three inches in him. Just now get this, a spear. Now this buffalo <laughs> just, <laughs> just gaff that son of a bitch. <laughs> so, me and Matt, Matt is uh, uh, my ranch hand, and he's a hell of a guy. But he and I grabbed, we grabbed a 30 30 and a 450 Bushmaster. And I told this guy, I said, Look, we're going to try to sneak up on those wounded buffalo. He's probably bedded down right in there. Let's run back, you know, grab a couple bigger guns and let's, let's, let's see if. You know, can you finish this off with a gun? He's like, no, give me one more shot with a bow. I said, all right, dude. We've been chasing this buffalo around for an hour, trying to find it running through this brush. And anyway, we find it bedded down, and he wants one more shot with a bow. So he sneaks up to it. The buffalo is probably 20 yards, and he shoots, and the arrow goes probably three foot in front of him, lodged into the ground. I mean, just barely left the bow. <laughs> I don't know what happened. And, you know, we Matt looked at him. Matt and I looked at him. We said, dude, I, can we just shoot it for you like this thing's to the point where it's suffering? <laughs> like, and you do not have the equipment to take it down. Or you can shoot it. He said, no, nah, just take it out. So Matt and I ended up shooting this buffalo probably eight times with the 3030, like five times with the 450 Bushmaster before this thing would even. And we got to go to the commercial dirt. because uh, we're getting into some very dangerous territories here. Yeah. Marco torturing animals. Double drive ranch does not do that. Yeah, no, they don't. So we take this thing down finally, and this guy's just like, wow, I just can't believe this arrow didn't do it. Yeah, well, that was pretty embarrassing. Dude, a 3030 and a 450 didn't yeah. do it. What do you think that was going to I'm just wondering, it? how yeah. in the fuck do you think it's going to work? Like, does it have to slip right through the ribs? Like, because if you hit it in the shoulder, it ain't going to go through the shoulder. Like, have, I mean, if you hit a rib, the ribs is thick. If he had 85 pounds, yeah. 85 pounds, do you it still worked. think it does anything? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean you'll get you'll get oh, yeah, on an elf absolutely. With that. I mean even even I mean even a I'm not a 60, even I'm not even, even going to say a 45 pound wouldn't do it if you put it in the right spot. But yeah, but you're going he put through. it two foot to the right. Yeah. I mean, so uh, if Indians could do it with with yeah. <laughs> with sticks and strings for bow and arrows, he could should have been able to do it. But um, maybe he just needs to stick to throwing curveballs. So probably. Um, Ouch. Yeah, that, that's a pretty bad one. But uh, I hope he doesn't hear this. I hope he does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, and then what was your other question? What was some of the... What's what your you? best story? Like, one that... Like, Tucker, obviously, we've seen him kill a ton of stuff. So, we basically asked him, "What you're going to be in a guiding situation. I, I mean, actually, it could be a personal story, too, of you killing something. Um, one that even, like, you've seen so much happen that really even excited you that was, like... Wow, that just happened. I know of one that you... You know of one? Oh, yeah. It could be a guide story? or it could be your personal hunt. Oh, you, 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 you were kind of guiding, kind of hunting. You could do one, one of each, too. It was one that was at 1365. 1365. Where? Um, West Texas. Dryden. What were we doing? Oh, <laughs> Papa Trey. I remember that was... I have a lot of good ones, but this is 
probably one of my favorites that I've been a part of. I wouldn't got him, but Tucker's dad, Papa Trey, he uh, he had I think it was a seven mag, mm-hmm. a seven mag he shot, and he goes, you know what? Let's let's try to get some of the you know the farthest shot, my personal best. So I was like, all right. So I know this area that we can corn anywhere from five hundred yards to fifteen hundred yards. And uh, so we go sit up on this mountain, and, of course, me and Papa Trey have a bottle of Burnett's vodka that you can see here. Um, and <laughs> we're, Burnett's, Burnett's just please sponsor us. Please sponsor us. <laughs> we're taking pools, just talking about life. Uh, yeah. Papa Trey probably getting on to me about something. And we're looking at these snort. deer through these uh, through the spotting scope for probably 30, 40 minutes, and we're seeing deer come at it. All distances, 500 yards, 1,000 yards, all kinds of stuff. Well, eventually, this buck came out at 1364. I think it was it was about right right there. And um, also, Trey has me sitting there trying to film this through through a phone on a phone camera through this high power spotting scope and giving wind directions and calling the shot and and all this kind of stuff. We're sitting on top of this hill, and I'm calling wind and, and watching shot placement. And first shot, Trey. Well, so just to give you kind of a background, we're out in Dryden, Texas, you know. So you have kind of that big bend, hilly country, and there's a lot of valleys with a lot of like missed wind readings. You know, you could Is have that wind. West Texas? West Texas, yeah. yeah. Way west. You could have high wind up here and low wind down in the valley. So. You know, we're shooting 1,364 yards. That bullet can leave the gun at, at two-mile-an-hour winds and cross 30-mile-an-hour winds somewhere along the way. So you can only do as much as you can to, to read that bullet. But anyway, so his first shot goes three foot to the right, and luckily I saw it, read it, and he squeezes off the second one. I said, miss, wait, wait, no, never mind, hit. <laughs> and the deer just falls in its tracks, and that was – the excitement in me during that moment was, I don't know, I hadn't felt that much, but that was that was a pretty cool moment seeing yeah. a deer drop from th- 1,364 yards. Yeah, and y'all, y'all are uh, looking at the spotter going, yeah, Marcus says, oh, yeah, it's a cold. I don't have any brow times. Yeah. And my dad's like, I can't fucking see, but I hope you can. So I guess if you're saying you shoot it, though, you <laughs> yeah. shoot it. Yeah. Thank God it was a cold. Yeah. Our but, grandpa would have been mad. Yeah, I think he might have been be like, okay, that's cool, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was. It was cool. Well, if Marco had shot it, it would have been a cold, anyways. Yeah. Probably. It didn't matter what it was. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's your trophy buck for the year. Yeah. No, but we've we've had some pretty cool stories out here. I've got to meet some you know cool guys, real real nice guys, um, guys from you know oil companies and all over the world. And um, there's there's lots of cool stories. I mean, I know Tucker has been a part of some of the cool stories. You know. Dan Crockett from Nashville, Tennessee, and oh yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, that was, and then uh, Hunter's helping me out with a lot. But Just there's too many stories. We're gonna be sitting here all day. So, so what do you think out here is the coolest animal that y'all have? Oh, uh, no whitetail. Obviously, that's awesome. But like probably coolest, and uh, you know, if you're gonna mount it, what what do you think looks the best? What's the one that's like, wow, that's so cool? I mean, it's hard to beat a really big red stag. Yeah. In my opinion, I really love a really big red stag. And red stags during September when they mate, they're just, they make really cool sounds, roars. I mean, it's, I don't know, red stags, there's something about red stags that I really like. So then when someone comes out here and you're about to go hunting, which, like, because they're going to tell you what they want, or, you know, or they tell you their budget and you kind of give them a package of what they can get possibly, what's the one when you're about to go hunt for something that, like, you're the most excited about? <laughs> 
Uh, there's something about hunting access deer that's just fun because when I when out here we're just big enough to where and thick enough and we have probably over 200 axes here that I see axes that I probably haven't seen before we haven't seen our cameras because they don't really necessarily care about protein feeds so much yeah. so and that's where we have our cameras so access is just fun because it's it's just a really 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 difficult hunt whether Drum you are in rush. 30 acres yeah. or whether you're in a thousand acres yeah. so yeah um, even at my place 500, yeah, 500, 500, 500 acres and i've seen axes i'm like i've never seen that day before yeah, yeah. so when the bear killed last year i, I, I never saw them in yeah, person yeah they're elusive smart i mean they're just they are they're smart and they run in herds so there's yeah. not two eyes looking at you there's a hundred um and i don't know axis is probably my favorite yeah by far i would attest to that like i shot a, a white tail this past season then i shot my axis at tuck's ranch last summer um and the uh, Axis hunt was obviously just so much more oh, fun. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a general rush the whole entire time. Story Ricky too. was there. Story was crazy. We'll probably we'll touch on that on another yeah. episode of, the, of that hunt because yeah. some of my you know, bad doing, but it was a lot of fun. And the whole time, I mean, you're just a general yeah. rush ready to go. I mean, it's and just nonsense. To me, I think 90% of the fun is also the people. Um, um, the people that you're with and the people that do get, you know, come and, and come hunt. A lot of that is, is getting to meet new people from all over and getting to hear their stories and their hunting experiences and becoming friends with them later. So I think that has a lot to do with it. You know, I had one woman, her name was Darla. Um, she is Randy Weaver's wife of the, uh, Cowboy, Montgomery Cowboy Church. Um, and Darla was just, she was so excited to kill. I don't think I've ever seen anybody as excited to kill a deer as Darla was. And uh, uh, just getting to sit in the stand with her and seeing her excitement as if, like, you go back and remember the first time you shot an animal, just seeing her cry and tear up. It's like, wow, you are, you're in a big impact of somebody's life yeah. right now. Yeah. Like, this is a huge memory of their life, and you're a part of it. So getting to see that and then staying in touch with them and, um, all that that's big to me too I like I, no, like I think that's yeah, that's, that's cool one of the coolest see. things I mean yeah. I think one of my first uh, kills was I think with Tucker I think actually at your grandparents house um, and just like yeah it's so cool being with your buddies you know getting it and just like seeing their excitement because even though it was like nothing crazy yeah. you know it's just like the excitement that everyone got was just like you know, that's yeah. I get cool. just as much excitement at watching somebody else do it mm-hmm. as I do. Oh, for sure. Tucker's yeah, well, well, every <laughs> every time I'm guiding a hunt or with someone else, if I'm not pulling the trigger, I swear my heart's racing way faster yeah. when I'm not on the gun. <laughs> and you if, know? For them. if we're in a blind, I have to pee way worse than they do oh, yeah. <laughs> before they shoot. I mean, I think I'm probably... embarrassed because I'm like they need to shoot because I'm about to have to pee because I'm so nervous. <laughs> I think you I mean you've told us a hundred times that. For the most part, you like doing other activities than hunting. Yeah, just because I, I love. You like seeing people do it, but yeah. like you're not that worried about yeah. hunting anymore. Your personal self. I mean, obviously, you're not going to turn down a hunt, but yeah, I mean, you. you just no, enjoy I that yeah so much. yeah, and and it kind of it's kind of one of those things that that sucks because it doesn't matter how much fun any what anybody is doing is if you do it every day it it can get tiring it's not that you're not thankful for it it's just that it's just not something that you want to do when you're when you're not here so for sure something i love to fish i love to duck hunt um 
And I, you know, I love to play golf. I'm terrible at it, but I love to play golf. <laughs> I was actually about to look at that. like, these I boys gonna, know I'm terrible at golf, but I love to play, and I have a hell of a time when I do. Well, was, that's was, like when me and yeah. Ricky worked at, worked at Whispering Pines, like, we every day. We were there on the golf course every day, you know, caddying 18 holes, working the place. And it's like, when we got off, we're like, I don't want to fucking play golf. Yeah. You know, I want to go like, do something else. Like, I've been on the golf course for yeah. five days straight. It's like, I want to no, go screw this. You know, I ain't picked up. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, yeah, I mean, you're sitting there running, too. It doesn't help you one. And that's not yeah, to say y'all are thankful for <laughs> it and getting to do something y'all enjoy. But, yeah. Right. Well, going on that, like, you kind of name the activities that you do. How often with being able to, you know, fully run this place, do you actually get to go out and do other activities that kind of balance out, you know, your day-to-day? Because for me, I'm an advisor, so I have my office hours mm-hmm. and I'm meeting hours and all that and then i you know get time away to go do other activities how do you balance that to keep yourself sane yeah so mine isn't really so it's kind of abnormal so there's there's obviously not a set schedule on something like this there's not a an eight to five um there is no weekend so but it comes with the goods and the bad so the bad is is if something happens at two in the morning you have to be up mentally prepared and get your guys up and, and you got to take care of stuff or if hunts happen at four in the morning or all nighters and stuff like that. But then there's times that when you're not doing that and you get, you know, the things that need to be done to take care of the ranch and the animals done, then you have two days that maybe you don't have anything that just, there's nothing certain about those two days. They may be a Monday and a Tuesday, but you know that you're okay to, to kind of take off, go do the things that that you want to do. So. Yeah, Marco called me on, on Monday at like nine and nine a.m. Hey, let's go golf. I'm like, dude, I'm at work. I'm like, <laughs> oh, Tucker's lying, dude. He doesn't get to work till like ten or something. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not true. Yeah. He just woke up. Yeah. Okay, I need to go to work. How's that? Yeah. So, so it just kind of depends. Most of my free time is obviously in the yeah. week because people are out here hunting and, and doing their kind of vacation and money spending on the weekend so most of my free time is middle of the week really especially during hunting season especially during like i know season. i'll, There's I'll no call free you time in hunting season yeah. i'll call you during hunting season like hey marco let's you know go eat dinner like no but i gotta hunt for the next seven days I'm like, yeah. okay well, more like um, i got hunts for the next eight weeks yeah, yeah. Like, too, too much like, there, there was on. like a three-month span where i did not see marco no there's there was nothing I, I couldn't even get on my phone and talk to about anything <laughs> other than what was going on here so but then there's times like today it's a saturday hunt season over we just Half of Texas froze, and mm-hmm. we're not doing anything. So we're having some fun podcasting with you. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, I don't know. It just kind of depends to answer your question. It just kind of depends on the situation day by day, really. Well, you've also, you know, back in the day, I guess maybe a couple of years ago, you started duck hunting. You actually told us you hated it. I did. You were like, I'm I never going this again. <laughs> like, this ain't for me. You were, Look, you were talking to that Why would somebody yeah, wake up at it. four in the morning when it's wet and cold and go duck hunting? I don't know. But yes, so I so enjoy doing that. it now. And now you are trying to go. Yeah. Ain't about it. I think yeah, the, so, the difference in Marco's love for duck hunting is lady. Because Lady, she oh, makes it easy. Awesome. Ladies, well, fun. and Jenna does it with you a lot. So yeah, yeah like, Jenna does. You know, it's, and I it's found, good, like, yeah, yeah, I found a group of guys that love it as much as me, and they're 
every time I ask, they're willing to go with me, so it makes it easy. You know, I think that's what my brother. People. My brother was a big duck hunter. Um, I think that's one of the things he said. Obviously, you love pulling the trigger, but it's kind of like we said the axis hunt was an adrenaline rush. Yeah. it's kind of like going duck hunting with all well, your buddies. Yeah, it's kind of that same. And there's thing. something like, about you're, figuring you're out. Up. I mean, people, unless you really duck hunt enough and kind of really get into it, you don't realize how smart those birds are. And so, being able to get in the spot where you know the birds are coming and convince them to come down and daylight breaks and it's cold and you're not having to be quiet like deer hunting until, you know, kind of the time comes where you're sitting there, you know, bullshitting with your buddies, you know, hell drink a beer if you want to at six in the morning. I'm not judging. So, um, and then something about those birds just coming in right at daylight and you're, I don't know. It's cool. It's an adrenaline rush for me. So I, I enjoy it. I get it, but I don't get it at the same time. Like, <laughs> I mean, like for me, like I'm like, I'm not going to wake up at four, get out there to shoot six ducks. Like, yeah. I can, if I wanted to, I'd go shoot six deer at the farm at my place oh, in an hour. 100%. So, like, but like, Look, I have okay, no I argument. Have no, I have for no, you. I, like, it doesn't, like, it, it, it's fun, yes, but it, it's not like it doesn't get my heart racing. Like, I don't know. When I go, when I go, I saw 210 deer die last year from clients. I was ready to quit saying like, them. So no, I understand. But, like, for me, like, no, I, I get that from someone else's perspective. But, like, for me, it's like, it's like I don't know. Check, even even, che- even checking game cameras, I'm like, dude, I'm like amped up. Like, like <laughs> I'm pretty sure my wife thought about divorcing me this deer season. But you were you were gone a lot. I was freaking crazy about it. Yeah. So well, my point, uh, my go. point again though, like when you go with Marco, he has a badass dog, and I got to go with him one time this year, and I don't duck hunt, but it was still awesome. And you go out there, you're cuddled up, you got your warm waiters. I borrowed Marco's waiters. Are they a little and, big on you? Well, I don't think they're actually his, they're just a spare <laughs> pair. But I, I was warm as all get out, and I'm just sitting there. All I had to do was pull the trigger. Lady went and got my ducks, set them by Marco, and all was good. All I had to do was get out of the truck, sit down, shoot my ducks, and then I walked straight back to the truck and got in the heat. <laughs> and the, the day was over in an hour. See, that sounds miserable. Like, you woke up that early to shoot six ducks. Well, yeah. But, I mean, I wasn't even awake at that point. I was awake enough to shoot the ducks. Now, if they said, Tucker, you can shoot as many ducks as you want to, that might be a different story. Like, I'd be like, okay. That's true. I'm going to freaking fill a truck bed up with these suckers. But then I got to go home and go back to bed. You know, and it was 7 o'clock in the morning when I got home. We went to Oklahoma, like, is it two years ago now? I think that was just. Not uh, this past January. Yeah, January. A little over a year. So, over just over a year. And the situation was kind of crazy at some points. But the actual hunting, the first hunt sucked. But then the next two that we did, I mean, it was like pretty Yeah, insane. I mean, that was like, cool. That was, that was cool. The I mean, mallards was, were coming in to that peanut field, and they would just swarm and just wad up in this big ball. And But, like, at the same time, that sucked to me because I just emptied my gun into the ball of birds. I don't yeah. even know what I hit. Like, yeah. like it's almost like... I think that to me it's kind of like playing a scramble in golf because it's like I want to know what I, I want to yeah. know how good I did. I want to I want to like you know. I want, I'll tell you this uh, though. Right when, there with you, scramble. When I went, piss me off. When I, I went and hunted flooded timber, that's why it was a little bit different. So you know, you hunt around here in open field or whatever. You have thirty birds coming in on top of you, and you're pop 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 pop. You don't even shooting. know which one to shoot at. Yeah, you don't even know which one you're shooting at. But when you're hunting hunting flooded timber. You're sitting behind one tree and you're so spread out, and that there's a pair of mallards that just cup up right in your face, and nobody's going crazy shooting. 
you're shooting those. Yes, no, that, I like that. Yeah, it was, and it's cool to be able to convince those birds to to kind of come down, come yeah. to you. I think the one we were out in Oklahoma, it wasn't necessarily shooting them as much. That was fun. I think it was just like seeing, like, holy crap, this no, many birds in that peanut in. field. That was absolutely insane. I've never yeah. seen that many yeah. mallards. That's no. what I'm saying. The experience of seeing that come in was awesome, but like the shooting was honestly hard as hell because. I mean, those things are. The wind was insane, freaking. It was, oh yeah, when they come in, they and they ball up. There's like a hundred birds in the size of this, like not not even the size of this room. It says the kitchen, and you're just like boom, 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 boom. Just yeah. keep shooting. And they're just like they can't. I and mean, they're already you know coming yeah, in the land. Videos I was like, of that. you see, just see birds falling, but you're like, I mean, which one did I hit, or how many did I hit? I mean, I don't know. You know. And I mean, those <laughs> those mallards were huge too. Oh, like, those are big birds. They're fish. Soybean peanut. You didn't have full three and a half in. I, because I was born one of his guns and it could only take, I think, three inch. Yeah. And those weren't doing crap. Like, no, that, and that, remember the guy? I mean, I hope he hears this because he pissed me off. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Is this uh, how people talk about us at Double Drop Ranch? Probably. <laughs> but, probably. But this little, this little arrogant cocksucker. He, uh, he's, we're sitting there, he got these decoys a little, little too far out. So, like, and it's windy as hell, yes. And we're shooting, you know, steel shot, even though we're in a peanut field. And like I, I really I disagree with steel shot, but that's just me. And y'all can you know fight me on that if you want to. But anyways, we're sitting here. I shoot this bird like twice. I hit him twice. You see feathers kick off. Boom, boom, and like he just flies away. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I just I just hit him with two loads. Like he's, you're not hitting him in the head. You're not hitting him in the head. I'm like, okay, well, I mean, freaking the, the, as far away as they are, I can't really control it. I mean, the spread the size of a truck. You know, like <laughs> what do you want me to do? And he's like, this is how you do it. And a bird comes by and he misses all three shots. And I was like, oh, is that how you do it? Huh? Yeah, that was <laughs> honestly ass. so funny. Oh, dude, I was like, yeah. I literally am standing right next to him. And like, go fuck yourself. Not only, <laughs> not only does he tell Tucker that, and that's like word for word how he told Tucker that, but he doesn't just like pop up out of his, like, because we're like in, uh, laying down blinds. He doesn't just like pop up like normal. He actually gets out, stands up, like, stands up, and he says, like ready, this, like this, and, and empties his gun, misses completely. And, the, with, the, and then and he just went and sat back down. So the other guy that <laughs> didn't, didn't have nothing to say after that? No. Now, the other guy was actually really, really cool, though, and he was good. Yeah. That dude, the other guy could really shoot. And I'm sure that, that guy could shoot. I mean, he does it for a living. Yeah, but. He's out there all the time. But it but was just really. didn't at that moment. It didn't at that like, moment, and that's what sealed the deal to be like. Tucker was like, ha, ha. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, guys, don't talk to me again. Yeah. Yeah. If he would have wanted one up, I would have been like. Okay. okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Maybe okay. he's right. All right. So what I need to do different? But he's like, you're not leading him enough. The wind's blowing and this and that. You're not hitting him in the head. No, but he I'm pulled like, an offer. Oh, yeah. he whiffed <laughs> three times. That's bad yeah. customer service. Like, why would you tell the dude Honestly, that guy he's getting mad? He's like, y'all aren't hitting him. I'm like, dude, like I'm, I am hitting him. You see feathers coming off? They're flying away. They're eating it and spitting it back out it and taking also, off with it. It was, it was also fun listening like, to Trey talk about it. You know, because Trey's like, I know how to shoot a freaking gun. He's like. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. And he was missing. And so hearing him get mad, it was so funny because he's like, I'm not missing. You know, like, he's like, hey, dad, you should have bought, bought the tungsten. Like, and he's yeah. like, well, that was 40 bucks a box. I'm like, well, you should have done it. He's like, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so weird because your dad's like, you know. He sounded but, like he put the decoys too far away. <laughs> but, but I mean, it, well, I mean way, he, they were pretty You should have brought your ri- rifle with you. If I had a 22, I'd have killed more. I guarantee it. <laughs> the next day, we were out on the water right there, and that was a lot of fun, too. Oh, yeah, that was good. Yeah, that was a good day. Where was that? Oklahoma? Mm-hmm. It was a, a Sire. I think it's Sire, Oklahoma. It was, yeah, like Elk City. Something like that. Elk City, Sire. They were yeah. like right next to each other. It was a lot of fun. It was cool. Except for there was a few hiccups. First time. <laughs> 
We'll leave that after that for now. Yeah, we won't get into that. <laughs> but what do you have in store? Um, you know, obviously this is off season right now. What are you working on, or what animals are you bringing in? We talked before, I think the show started, that you were supposed to get a bunch of animals in for this one guy, apparently, or something. So kind of what are you doing to get prepared for, you know, hunting season coming back around? Um, our biggest thing is, well, in the springtime is pasture care. So we take care of our pastures. We spray, fertilize, all that to kind of give the, the pastures the best nutrients to the animals that they can get without having to use protein feed as much. Um, so that's obviously the big upcoming goal. And then um, it is is just kind of planning the, the hunting season out. You know, how many mature whitetail bucks are we going to have this year? Um, we breed our own whitetail, axis, fallow, black buck, red deer, and elk, so, and warthogs. Um, and so those, those, yeah, <laughs> those, those animals are actually born and raised here on the ranch. And so we manage our whitetail herd as if it was a low fence ranch. Um, we don't really bring any in. Um, so we just kind of have to figure out how many mature bucks we got to shoot, what our axis herds are looking like, fallow herds, and, and stuff like that, and kind of go off that. But more of that's going to happen around the fall time. Um, now we will bring in some super African exotic stuff like kudu and, and things like that for potential upcoming clients or guys that will be here. So um, it's just kind of a clean-up preparation and get everything back in line before it hits again. Yeah, so, so you were talking about the super exotics. Do y'all do one of those? I mean, it's are you getting them in regularly, or is it like if you know people are coming, then you'll try to go get it? No, um, basically, no, basically, you you get them. You really get them when you can. You try to establish a breeding herd if, if it's possible. But um, there's lots of ranches across the state of Texas that breed these um, and and sell them. And so you really, you really just try to find one that's healthy and, and when you can for, for the right price and kind of go off that way. Uh, we don't really bring any animals in for particular people unless the opportunity is there. Yeah. Um, or that it's something specific that they want or looking for that's really hard and to that find. You, and get. that you are able to get. And, you're like, okay, and then I am able to get we'll or, or something that we don't already have. So, um, so just kind of, there's really no, no, uh, I guess you could say there's no, so good solution of how and when you buy animals. It's just kind of you do it based off of all the facts yeah. at the so time. You said you said you had twenty around twenty five species, right? Twenty five species. Are you planning yeah. on well touch base because you almost you name them all and their origin. <laughs> no, I think it was also just quick tip. You actually got rid of a lot. Yeah, you we thought got you were going to go lot. more like kind of like Tucker's Ranch with Whitetail, yeah. oh, and then he brought gosh. them back. Brought, brought them time. back. <laughs> yeah, we got rid of a bunch. I mean. We we probably had thirty five species. Of I don't know one. what those freaking deer cowboy people what the hell they were. Those were not um, humans. Wildlife fires. Yeah, they're they're uh, whatever they're on. Extraordinary group. Yeah, <laughs> that's an extraordinary group of guys that that do a good so job. So the question though was, are you trying to bring in any more? Um, you said you had twenty five. You trying to go more or less? Uh, there's really I wouldn't say there would there wouldn't be a a goal right now. We're not really trying to go anymore. Not really trying to go any less. We're just kind of seeing what happens and yeah. letting them do their thing. So um, I would say that uh, if the opportunity arises to where there is a, a herd of healthy animals around the area that are used to the East Texas climate, that we wouldn't not pull a trigger on them and yeah. and, and get them here. But um, there's really no plan put in place so i know that like all the animals that obviously every animal you buy here even though it's from like africa india you know wherever it may be from like 
they were born in Texas more than yeah, likely. born in Texas. Yeah, like yeah, they, they're yeah. not they're not imported from no, uh, no. So how does that like if over time do they learn to adapt to the weather a little better? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, and I'm that and parasites. I, I mean, it's just like humans. Yeah, if, if because um, I know the deer, so, have, yeah, or the white-tailed deer carry yeah. stuff that they can't handle. And, yeah, so people, people, humans from from the United States and humans from, you know, let's just say Namibia, Africa, we're all humans. But obviously, people from Namibia, Africa, are used to the water they drink. The the mm-hmm. the, the, the don't hurt them at all. Doesn't hurt them at all. Well, there's just they built tolerances or their bodies just mm-hmm. built that way from from birth. So it's not saying that those people from Namibia can't come over to the United States and live. Fine. This just takes adjusting. So kind of answers your question. Like Mexico, too. With, yeah, with the boil water notice right now, I'm yeah. like, if you were used to drinking that, it wouldn't matter. It probably wouldn't hurt you that yeah. bad. But no. right now, think about it, no weak. one's used to it. <laughs> yeah. If you want to call us weak, you can call us weak. So if we drink that, it could hurt us. And that's why they're doing it right now. But if we were always drinking that water, our bodies would adjust just like the animals do. Yeah, just like the animals do. So now, there. that's not to say that. An axis deer can withstand zero degree weather, and that they right. can adapt to it. No, they can't. And uh, but you don't really typically have the, have that here. Yeah, slight climate change, and really your only concern are parasites and and large weather fluctuations. So um, I, mean, I know we lost our, all our fallow deer to something because it, it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, part, it was partially coyotes, but I've seen them get sick, and I think you had. Same stuff with the meningeal worms that was called. Yeah, further with the black buck. Really, antelope in general, but uh, yeah. fallow or an antelope, but but they still get it and are affected by it, which is something caused by a whitetail. But, you know, whitetail are supposed to be here by themselves, not with fallow right. and axis. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of something you got to adjust, and that's 100% doable. You see it in Texas. As yeah. a matter of fact, Texas, you know, they have more scimitar horned oryx than they do in their native land, and we're actually sending orcs over to 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 re basically populate where they are, or not us personally, but the ranches in Texas are repopulating the original you know land full of orcs over in northern Africa. So I don't know. So Texas is a really good climate habitat for exotics. Um, it's a lot like where they come from in Africa. And, um, oh, you couldn't go put an axis deer or a scimitar horn oryx or whatever like that. You couldn't go make a high fence in Colorado. No, no. And no, they die. They would die, yeah. yeah. And that's why you don't find them there. Right. That's now. a really drastic climate change. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, like, Texas is one of the only places like that. that has that many, it has this many game fences. Like, yeah. I mean, obviously, Alabama, Georgia, Louisiana could probably do it, but still. Florida. Florida. I, mean, I think in our area we are at right now, you look left or right, and you're kind of probably seeing a high fence. Yeah, and, and there's there's a lot of high fences. Yeah, and there's a lot of high fences in other states, such as Missouri, you know, Iowa, Ohio. Mm-hmm. They have tons of high fences, but mostly elk and whitetail and things yeah. like yeah. that. They're not going to have your African species. They'll have fallow and, and things like yeah. that, but because they're from yeah, Europe, right? So yeah, they can, they can so that. they'll have stuff like that. But no, your your African exotics and your Indian exotics and stuff like that you're going to find in Texas, and they do have them in other states. But your game laws are a little bit different there. Your yeah. high fence laws are a little bit different there. Yeah, Texas just state of Texas. Yeah, right? Texas just all around provides the Don't best give a shit. option there is for, <laughs> for yeah for having exotics. So well, if you were to go back like to when you started all this. Or when you started this job seven years ago, what was something like you wish you knew then that you know now? 
Uh, my biggest thing is what a lot of people don't understand, or is something that's that's kind of hard, or even say you're coming out of school with a wildlife management degree. Um, I can tell you this, and I don't care who gets mad. Anybody that graduates with a wildlife management degree from a from a university or college really has only gained ten, probably ten percent of the knowledge that they're going to actually need to to do a place like this. So, yeah. one of the biggest things that I learned is that when you are here making all the decisions and the health health decisions of the animals. Your, your farming and your agricultural knowledge is just as important as your animal knowledge. Mm-hmm. So your grasses, your weeds, um, how the health of your pastures, how the, your underbrush, controlled burning, um, things that are a massive part of the health of your ranch and animals, animals and even yeah. wear and tear. So you can go to a lot of ranches and you'll find graze lines. Um, their whole trees look like they just... They're, they're wiped out. Well, because, yeah, we that, yeah your, your natural balance or the, the effort and work put in to keep that from happening and still distill good food and underbrush for the deer is important. And so you kind of got to learn that. So I wish I would have had a little bit more knowledge on that because when I first got in, it was, it was preparation and building. So the animals weren't really necessarily the biggest priority yeah. to start with. Um, it was getting the place ready right. to be a sanctuary for animals. So it just blew my mind and having to learn all that, but um, it comes with over time. And it's, it's something that's cool and important because you can make a place look like a golf course and already have, and have a bunch of animals on it at right. the same time. So right. just got to put the money effort into it. I, I was going to touch on that really quick is, is that's another reason why, you know, the cost of this place is the way it is. We touched on it at the beginning of the episode, um, but you're doing those things. You're, yeah. I mean, agriculture, taking care of the land, that's a huge part of it, and that's obviously costs a lot of money. Yeah. Um, so that's another reason why, and so you know, like, when you're getting an animal out here, it's going to be well taken care of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I could attest your, like, my throat just gargled. <laughs> I mean, at least it was that. I thought it was a complete fart. No, yeah. no I was like, dang, I didn't just fart it on the podcast. I mean, don't put it past me. <laughs> just let it rip, maybe. Hold the microphone closer next time. <laughs> Y'all want to hear it? I'll let it rip. Just let it fly. To your point about the wildlife, the wildlife management degree, like I, I graduated from Sam with an act business degree, but they offer a lot of courses at Sam in wildlife management. And I took, I don't know, three, four, and Mainly, I took those courses because I knew it would be an easy A with my background. Yeah. But there was nothing really in those courses that I didn't already know. Like, my guess was right. Yeah, I walked into those courses. I didn't study at all. I already knew 90% of what they had yeah. to tell me. And probably more. Probably yeah. more. Yeah, there was things. Well, that I mean, that's like any degree, though. I mean, yeah. you, can't, you get a general business degree. It's like you can like, oh, I know how to run a business now. Like, no, no. you still. Like, yeah, and, and my little. Until you do it. My yeah. little knowledge of, you know, I've worked on a ranch with Marco and with you. Sucker for you know five years and, and without us, she worked at Top Fan Ranch and and yeah, I, I have a pretty good background in working on a ranch and and it's still minute compared to what Marco has. Right. And going into those classes, I already knew basically everything that they had to tell me. Mm-hmm. And there's still a yeah. world out there to learn about. Yeah, I mean that's why I think just doing it is the best way. To, like, mm-hmm. like you know, I guess at least for me, I and mean, I think for just about everyone, it's like when you actually do something, you learn it more than like if you can't. You can read a book on it, but that make that make you like actually good at it yeah you know? I mean, I, yeah. I personally think the college degrees obviously yes i mean i was a finance degree yeah and that's important I learned, for what I you le- know <laughs> i learned a lot of information yeah. but when i after i finished college i took i've already taken five certifications and exams for things that i needed to know which i learned way more than i did in college right. for what i'm doing right now 
I think it honestly touches back down on if you're selling a product that it will give the customer some satisfaction of, okay, he went to school for it. That is a thing, and people think about that. If you're going to go and see, for instance, a financial advisor, a lot of people are like, you know, one question they might ask is, are you a CFP? CFP versus non-CFP, you can be back and forth on that and be like, is it really worth it? Is it not? However, yeah, I mean, it's a financial advising term. At the end of the day, that doesn't mean that you're actually a better advisor than me, but if you have it, you're going to look better of that part. So same thing with a degree. If like, you know, you're running a ranch and you have this wildlife management degree and you're a doctor in wildlife management, you're going to look the part possibly better. It doesn't mean you actually do a better job, um, but it can help customers have some type of like, oh, I trust him. And that's kind of what you need at least, you know, to get the, get your foot in the door and then you go from there. So I think that's the biggest reason why I think sometimes degrees can matter. Um, yeah, because it can't no, set you up to have matter. people, you know, have faith in you. Yeah, it would be kind of. I've always thought to myself, it'd be kind of hard for somebody that's graduating with a wildlife management degree to go. How do you go apply for a job? Is what I want to know. What do you do? Yeah, like, how do many you jobs are actually yeah, Ricardo, I have a degree. Can I come work at your ranch? Yeah, like you do. You just you know, people that typically own these places or or build them usually go look for somebody they know or somebody that they're comfortable yeah. with or, or that maybe already has experience in it because if you're looking for somebody that doesn't have experience well then what's the point of even having them it's not right? going to be successful yeah. if you don't have somebody yeah. that's knowledgeable yes you were a first time really running a ranch but you also did have an owner that was very hands-on yeah no that's i know yeah i definitely but if you're trying got, to be how you, you manage that you just like Fake it till you make it. Well, no, and not only that, but you also got to be the kind of person that kind of is a problem solver. I mean, if 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 something's wrong, there's not always somebody there to answer the question. So now you got to figure it out yourself. And I and I know Barrett in particular. (laughs) Barrett in particular, you just got to walk around that thing, (laughs) just swim under. (laughs) Barrett in particular, in my opinion, is really good at problem solving. There's an issue. You need to go somewhere. You get lost. Whatever the issue may be, solve it. Solve the mm-hmm. issue. Figure it out how to do it yourself. Call the, some people that you may know that have that advice. But anyway, learn it and and get to appreciate it. And, it, yeah, and now Marco, I'm like used to when we first when we were in high school. Marco was like, "Tucker, what is this? What is that? How do this?" Now I'll call him like, "Hey, um, <laughs> how do I, what do I do about this beer right here?" And he's like, "Oh yes, this, this, this." I'm like, okay, cool. Like, yeah, and I think that's something cool too. It's, it's weird. Like, he used to. I don't even. I used to boss him around. Now he boss me around. <laughs> well, I said, "Tucker, how do you know how old this axis deer is? I just don't get it." And I like the knowledgeability that Marco has, though, because it's not one of those phone calls that you ask him and he's like. Uh, let me get back with you, and then he needs to go ask somebody, and then he'll give you the answer. Like, no, it's like right there. It's like right then and there. Marco's Boom. like a walking That's the answer, you know? <laughs> That's really, really cool to actually have that as Some a stuff. Yeah. I was <laughs> <about to> say, <laughs> if he doesn't know it, he's going to tell you that he doesn't. Oh, he, yeah. He, <laughs> oh, no, if he doesn't know it, he's still going to tell you what he thinks. Yeah. It might not be right. But yeah. he's then I'll be, tell you, hey, I don't know this for sure, but this is what I think, so good luck. Look it up. Look it up. I wouldn't say it's Marco lying either. No, he's just, no, no, he believes what he's saying. He this might not be true. It. And he will get you to believe it, and then you're going to go start telling other people, and, and then they're going to look at you like, where did you learn that from? And you're like, oh, my friend. You know, yeah, he's a professional. Friend, you know, and then you tell them, and they're like, dude, yeah, that's not right. Idiot. And you're like, yeah. and, and then, then finally, Marco gets drunk, and, and he goes, 
Yeah, I just made that up. But, <laughs> but it was so believable. It was like, holy crap. Like, I did not know that. Like, and I that, wish I knew that. That's speaking on extra care. Tucker be like, hey, Marco. This does not apply to anything on the ranch. He knows all that. But if it's hey, something yeah. else. Hey, it could be 90, it could be 90 degrees outside walking. Tucker, it is snowing outside just off the chart. Really? Yeah, <laughs> Tucker. He walks outside 90 degrees. Wow, you had me going. <laughs> yeah, story time with Marco is, is usually pretty fun. Oh, yeah. We've had plenty of those at the ranch. Mm. But not, or the... West the, Texas the Ranch. West Texas Ranch. That's a good place. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all need to do a podcast. Y'all need to film a podcast. Peter I, I, say, on the I, I missed that, but I definitely remember seeing the videos of you. Well, one thing I do want to set up is obviously, <laughs> you know, we need to get the outdoor holics down to West Texas. Yeah. Let's not touch on West Texas today just because I think that could be its own podcast in Party itself. Oh, way too um, many stories there. So many stories, good times, so much, you know, just cool stuff happens there. Honestly, just getting out there is a lot of fun. So I think we'll, we'll save that for its own podcast because yeah. it's, it's on another level. Um, one question, you know, I wanted to know real quick is we've been kind of our first podcast. We did this with, you know, talking about bullets and different rounds, kind of helping people understand things. Um, so before we get to that question, I would ask, you know, how many hunts do you already have lined up for this coming year? Um, we have probably about five uh, groups of individuals and then five about corporate groups already lined up. Um, Does that actually fill your pretty much schedule for a, pretty a lot of much? It? I mean, we don't we'll we'll do a lot of fill ins just if they pop up, but we pretty much already like have your it major on, weekends on pretty much major week. Yeah, major weekends are already pretty okay. cool. That's cool. Obviously, yeah, guys that typically like opening like, day at deer season. I'm assuming yeah, so it's got. full. So so guys that typically uh, like I just had a group leave. Um, they came in from North Dakota. Um, they're they're booking for the same weekend, right? Yeah. So it's just kind of kind of a lot of repeat stuff, and mm-hmm. and, uh, and then you just kind of new people every year too. Yeah. So yeah, to answer your question. Okay. So the other question, uh, this is my last question, is we touched on on our first episode about you know ways to help hunters that maybe don't hunt a ton but do want to hunt, ways to help them, you know, actually get the animal sometimes people miss whatever it might yeah. be we touched on bullets it could be bullet like choices. the fact that your choice of bullet is not meant for that gun so kind of going on that you know you see a ton of people hunt from mm-hmm. people that are not good like your story that you went yeah. over with the buffalo to people that are probably really really good what's a tip that you would tell just by seeing so many people hunt that would help you know everybody and also yeah. like like we, we, we I talk, like i talked about last time like when you ask someone Hey, what, like, you know, let's say they shoot a deer and, like, you're pretty certain it was a hit, but you don't, like, you're walking over there, you didn't see it go down, you don't know where it is, yeah. you're like, and what's the first question you got? Hey, what bullet were you shooting? Yeah, what bullet were you shooting? And how many people go, oh, I don't know. Or they yeah. say, oh, federal premium or Hornady. Motherfucker, there's 20 different kinds of those. Yeah. Which one are you shooting? Yeah. Like, that's, that's what grain. Well, what, I think that question is kind of more for us because we know that. We know that a ballistic tip, or for instance, a ballistic tip isn't necessarily going to make the biggest blood trail. Well, it's going to kill the shit. I mean, but it's going to kill the animal. If you hit it in the bread basket, you know, mm-hmm. in the rib cage, he ain't going to go very far. But yeah, and if you shoot a core lock, you know you're going to be looking for a heavy blood trail. But if he's shooting a core lock and there's no blood, chances are he probably killed it somewhere or shot it somewhere in the ass end. You know, or just somewhere or, where there's no where there's no blood. Or it's a bigger animal enlarged in the shoulder. Yeah, or you want to know kind of what stage this animal is. But, uh, but most people don't know those. Yeah. No, don't, like, 
most people don't even know what they're shooting. Yeah. So from your experience, what would be your I guess like if like what when they say I was shooting this, are you like oh yes, and or like like thank God he's shooting that bullet, or what, what goes oh fuck he's shooting that bullet? <laughs> yeah. Like, Not, to me, it's more of uh, just experience. So just before I, t- I tell you my opinion. Everybody, I don't think there's one person out there that comes here and just bothers me with it because, uh, you know, we've had a lot of, uh, uh, special needs kids that come out and I've literally had to look through the scope for them and and aim on it. So just because he didn't have, just be, yeah, just because he didn't have the experience or knowledge or ability to even do it himself, it doesn't mean that it wasn't fun. Um, but I will say that, a lot of it has to do with maybe how you're raised or how often you use guns. So one thing about us is, 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 uh, what I like to call it is basically, well, I don't know. I I guess I don't know what you call it, but when you throw a gun up and you look through the scope, can you, when the first instant that you look through that scope, can you see clear or black, like hand eye relief is is what they call it. So yeah, hand eye relief. When you shoulder the gun, is it quick? Yeah. So for instance, what I, what I kind of, I guess can see in people is how often have they handled a gun. So for instance, we all grew up with the 22 with a little probably red field scope on it. Mm-hmm. And every time we threw it up to shoot a squirrel, um, and probably when we first started shooting, we had to adjust our head back and forth and try to figure out where that sweet spot is in the scope. But the more you do it, it's, it's like riding a bicycle. I could throw probably any gun up that I'd never even touched before. And every time I throw it up, I can look through the scope and it's clear, like mm-hmm. there's nothing there. But it's just because we're used to it, and there's nothing wrong and with that. When you throw it up, you're on the target. You can see. Yeah. Like, when yeah. you throw it up and you like, like this, you can see the. Like you see the animal. You might not be on him exactly, but you see the animal. Yeah. You're so not, you're not sitting there seeing black. Yeah. You know, which is which is title? which is fine because that all has to do with experience. I, you know, me, I can't hit a golf club golf club near as well as any one of y'all. But you see what I'm saying? So it's kind of just practice. So, oh, no, and them the, Sims are working good for you. Dude, I'm playing a lot better. Over there. <laughs> so, better to watch out, that. Tiger. You did? Hey, I'm yeah. actually playing good. So, anyway, so going back to the bullet, the bullet, in my opinion, matters and it don't, it doesn't matter. It matters probably to a, to a really, um, I guess, avid hunter, avid riflesman, or somebody that really likes to shoot. Dude, I go back to if an Indian can use a, a flint rock and an arrow and kill a buffalo, so can a six five breed more. To right. touch on that, okay. though, we we kind of we didn't tell you, and you listened to it, but then I had forgotten. We kind of touched on like just like a golf club, you want it to be precise mm-hmm. but forgiving. We touched on it that way because right. yes, you were right that any <laughs> bullet, the same thing. right? So any exactly, bullet so shot saying. correctly is going to kill that. Deer. Yeah, yeah. However. You don't always make a perfect shot. Like Tucker said on the episode last time, maybe you rush a shot because yeah. you think your window Well, ballistic tip bullets, so, in my opinion, I mean, that's uh, going to be the most forgiving. Yes. That's I why agree, we completely. said, though, that bullets yeah. didn't matter because it's like you can't make a perfect shot on an animal every single time. Yeah. No. Be, no. See, I'm, I'm a firm believer that, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a full metal jacket or, no. or uh, Core Barnes, triple, or Barnes triple shot. Steel tip or, or anything like anything that holds the, like, you know, solid. Hollow point. Like, yeah. Since it doesn't open up, I'm not a big fan of it because, like, okay, for, yes, if we have a white tail sitting out there at 100 yards, broadside, and you got a good dressed, you got a bipod, sandbag, mm-hmm. I can put it right in the shoulder and put it right behind the shoulder. I mean, I can almost, I almost, almost know where the heart is. I can just put it, squeeze it off, and we're good to go. He's dead. I hit him. I hit, hit a vital. Done. But not everyone can do that. No. And, and, not, and, not, and not everyone is also has a cir- that circumstance. 
Yeah. So, so like kids, obviously. So you for want kids, them shooting a bullet that's going to mess that deer up. Yeah. To make sure he don't go nowhere. Yeah, for kids, and especially just so the deer doesn't suffer. Yeah. Know? I mean, but for kids, obviously, one of the most forgiving bullets is is something like any type of ballistic tip bullet, something mm-hmm. that hits it and, and just shatters SSD, Vmax, ballistic yeah, tip, all that kind of stuff. So. It, it kind of is more forgiving. So you hit it three inches to the right, you know, f- uh, f- uh, what do you call it? Fragments, Fragments. are going to yeah. go and hit vitals and yeah. and things like that. So you're going to get a lot more forgiving of a bullet. You know, but now, again, now a ballistic tip, yeah, a ballistic tip, the biggest too, buck of your life is walking up a hill and you want to take a through and through Texas heart shot, a ballistic tip ain't going to be your bullet. No. So, um, and that's more for the experienced side shooters, obviously. Um, and it also kind of depends on what animal you're shooting. Uh, ballistic tip bullets do not work on Buffalo. Um, because too, too, it will too, too fragment too before it even gets through yeah. the skin. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, if you're shooting a 180 grain ballistic tip, that might be different though. We had a 308, a Buffalo, he was shot with a 308 and it was a um, SST. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why he shot with 308. It was the only gun he had. And 150 uh, we grain offered him a bigger gun. 150 grain. We offered him a bigger gun. It, it, whatever. We knew yeah. that we could we could handle it with what he had. But yeah, um, that's, that's, not, that's not the right bullet for that animal. No, no it's not the right gun or the right bullet. And no. we knew that. But he was in, he was. It was his grandfather's gun, and he was he was real adamant on about using it. Whatever yeah. goes back to we'll do kind of what people want, and so that he shot it twice, a little far up in the shoulder, and when we went to skin it, that bullet never made it past the skin into the never, on the entry side. It didn't make it past the shoulder. You mean didn't make it past the shoulder? It was lodged in the it shoulder. Was lodged in the yeah. skin and the fat of the shoulder. Now. I'm not saying that's the case every time. I'm not saying that. Well, yeah, but you don't remember a buffalo. It's, yeah. it's got two inches of leather. Yeah, so leather for something like much, a yeah. buffalo, you need to know heart placement and maybe use something like a core locker. An Acubond. An Acubond or I'm something big, that's going to stay like together and put a real hard heavy I do like Acubonds because they have, they're designed to, the first 40% of the bullet's going to frag out like a ballistic tip, mm-hmm. and the last 60% is going to punch out, mushroom back, and give you an exit wound. So actually, yeah. it's kind of like, in my opinion... Best of both worlds. Yeah, that's a real good... And trip. there's still no exit wound on a buffalo. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, you're traveling through, what, four feet of freaking... But the meat. buffalo also isn't going to get very far without you knowing where it went. Yeah. It's going to be knocking trees down on the yeah. way. Right. But so. to touch on that, you know, is that... When you talk about, you know, the shouldering of the rifle, is that your tip of just practicing that more? Uh, yeah, just, hey, get out there. Shoot, shoot. You know, uh, get your license during squirrel season, shoot some squirrels or something, you know, go out there and they're real good eating, you know, kind of practice quick draws, go bullfrog hunting. You know, one of my old bosses, he, he held a, uh, lever action, uh, six shot 22 pistol and he used to quick draw it on bullfrogs without even aiming. And that dude can shoot a pistol better than anybody I know now. He did that when he was 15, 16 years old. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just like anything else you do. Practice makes perfect. So learn, learn if, if you, if you're getting frustrated, yeah, if you're getting frustrated at yourself when you go hunting and you can't aim good or get on the animal quick or you're having trouble seeing through your scope, get out there and practice like anything else. Obviously, I know shooting guns in, in rural place or in cities are a little bit harder it's than little, if you live in a rural tough. place, yeah. but. You know, you know, get, get out there and shoot the most you can, and every little bit's going to help. Yeah, and I think I touched on that a little bit on the first episode was is that not enough people shoot enough. They get out there because they, you know, buy this hunt. You kind of said on an auction, 
Yeah. Hung in a while. Yeah, though. They take their gun that they've had in the safe for over a year, take it out there. They haven't put yeah. it to their shoulder and, forever. And here's the ready. deal. And what's cool about it is, I don't think any four of us at this table, or five of us at this table, yeah. cares whether you're an experienced hunter or not. I'm going to have a freaking blast with you every time you come out. And it's just, hey, you know, we're here to help you whenever you can. Just it make, it makes the backing a little easier. Yeah, it, may, it, may, it makes obviously the objective a little bit easier. Yeah. Bear but track, the but also is tricky fun, the fun that you're going to have is, is it's good. It's the same. So, hey, right, you know, if here's my, my suggestion. If you don't know a lot or if you don't feel comfortable with the gun, um, I bet if you reach out to any of these guys, they would they would tell you anything they know, or, or kind of give you advice, or, or help you out. But it's 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 I mean, just I something learned, that takes practice. I learned practice. a lot, honestly, from there's one other podcast <coughs> I listened to. It's a little bit more advanced, but it's called Modern Day Sniper. Uh, it's an awesome podcast. It gets a little more in depth of actual like longer range killing yeah. animals and stuff, mm-hmm. like longer range. However, they do have fundamental classes and stuff like that, and that podcast is legit because. For me, it's like okay, I can. I'm fine from a hundred yards, a couple hundred yards, whatever. I want to get to where I'm very experienced at. Like if I go somewhere with Tucker shooting long range, I want to like be comfortable with it and know the knowledge Absolutely. that I need. That's definitely a great podcast to check out because you will learn a ton of stuff that you might have known about, but like didn't really yeah. know why why it is what it is. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, also just it's also equipment too. I mean, you gotta have the right equipment, like. Like Marcus said, like or we were talking about like the twenty two in the Redfield scope. Like obviously, like we no one I haven't seen really anyone with that. But like if you come like people come to me with, you know, a three to three to nine Leopold, just normal Leopold, no mill dots, no nothing. And they're like, Okay, can we shoot this to four hundred yards? I'm like, We can, but that's not like I mean, it's not That's a lot mean, tougher. That's, that's not what you want. Idea. That's not what you want. Yeah, I mean I can yeah. I can make it work, but like that's not you're not gonna be able to do this quickly. You know, I mean, for the most part. I mean, the field of view you, is a lot smaller. You can. I mean, you can do it quickly. You're not going to do it as precise and quick yeah. as you want to. Like, and then with my, like, you know, you have, we have a bunch of different scopes. Like, oh, I'm a big fan of the Leopold Mark VI. You know, I mean, okay, my 308, I know two mils of four. Range it 400, hold the two mils, good to go. I can do that. I can range it and have a bullet in the air in less than 10 seconds. Yeah. You know. Even to speak to that, like, for the more inexperienced finder, just doing your due diligence to go out there and practice goes a long way. If you show up to a hunt and you know, you want your got, shit to be together. Yeah. If you've got a gun that's brand new in a box and then a scope that's also brand new in a box, we've seen that. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's, it's, it's, it's impossible. Yeah. If you, yeah. If you show up to a hunt and you have a gun that still has a tag on it and you say, that it's been good. sighted in, I'm going to tell think, you to go fuck well, off I, and you're going to shoot my gun. Yeah, so, I, don't <laughs> even, I, don't even, I don't even go there. I think it's like, don't lie to yourself and say, yeah, it's ready to go. Exactly. Like, I did just buy a new gun. Let's well, you help me it sign it in. I do really want to use yeah. this gun. Yeah. And let's get it ready to go versus coming out there. We see the box in your truck and you're like, yeah, it's ready to go. Like, no, just be honest. Say, honestly, I'm not sure. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, right? and, and then we can use it. Right? People don't lie to your guides and tell them that you can shoot up to 400 yards when you can't because we've seen that before too. Or just, oh, I'm good to go. And they show up with a, with a fixed three power scope. No. Yeah, <laughs> every city has a range, so just get on the range. You know, get it as close as you can. Even then, when you get here, most people will shoot. You know, off the yeah. back porch just to make luckily, luckily here you have that right here. Yeah, my place for the range really, in the back. That's so. like our next objective is we're about to go start shooting. So, I mean, and you're going to be able to see in the videos, there could be misses and, I mean, because stuff still happens. People miss. Um, but I think it's just a matter of practice. I mean, practice, practice, practice. 
don't lie to yourself. Don't I mean until you know that right. that's a for sure shot that you can make. Don't lie to yourself. And don't be that. embarrassed yeah. about I it. I mean, either. I've had shots with Tuck where he's like, "Are you ready for that?" And I that was that night when we were like on the thermals. And I was like, dude, like, no, like, I don't shoot thermals that much. I was like, I'm not really, like, that comfortable. We ended up going for it, whatever. But it was definitely, like, being honest with Tucker. Damn it, Barrett, just shoot. Yeah, <laughs> and not being like, oh, yeah, Tucker, I got this, and then shooting the wrong animal or doing this. Like, if you're just honest with them, it's like, yeah, he's my best friend, so he's going to probably make fun of me a little bit because we're just going to joke around. But he's going to rather have that feedback than me lying and then messing up the whole hunt. Yeah, know? I mean, I don't mean to throw my buddy under the bus, and I know he's going to hear this and probably call me about it, but I had a real good buddy from back home that came hunting with me, Tucker, and who else was there? That it was night? just us. Was it us? Yeah. yeah. And so we went hunting, and before we hunted, so we, the first night we went, we thermal hunted, and I was fine, and Tucker showed him, my buddy, how to like shoot a thermal, basically. Because he had, I'm pretty sure, too, that day, never shot a rifle in his life. I remember this story. And so <laughs> we go hunting that night, and everything goes flawlessly. You know, we got a couple hogs, and everything was good. And then the next day, me and him were kind of figuring out what we were, me and Tucker were figuring out what we were going to do. And we decided that we were, I don't even remember what we did. Oh, we went and sat in Trinity. Yeah. We went and sat in stands in Trinity. And so I told my buddy, I was like, hey, we're not going to have the thermals tonight. Let's go out to his ranch, Tucker's ranch, and let me show you to shoot like an open scope. He was like, "All right, cool." So I went and I sighted my two forty three in, and said, "Okay, do you you know you want to shoot this thing? Kind of get used to it." He's like, "Yeah." And so I'm sitting there on the binoculars, and he sits there and just shoots, and he hits target. I'll give him that. I mean, he smoked it, <laughs> but then I look back and he's just got blood just running down his face, and I said, "Oh no." Because when you're shooting a the thermal, your yeah, eyes right on that thing. I have the Trigicon uh, Reaper or whatever it's mm-hmm. called. And so, like, you put your eye literally up against the yeah. scope. And so, obviously, you have to shoot something that doesn't have much recoil, like a right. 223 uh, 6.8. And uh, so, that's the only gun he ever shot was the one we had with the thermal scope. So, so like, the he same thought, thing with he, the regular scope. I don't know how he saw the target with his eye that No, close. and that's what I told him. I said, dude, mm-hmm. were you seeing black? And he was like, No. He probably just saw like a little bitty dot floating around probably. in the black. <laughs> it's a video game, you know? Yeah, yeah no, I'm definitely going to get a phone call from him once he hears this. <laughs> uh, that's no, freaking no. funny. I mean, I think today was... I was like, oh, crap. Yeah. We'll, be, we'll be wrapping it up. We're coming on an hour and a half. I think today was a phenomenal episode for us. Episode. I think we gave y'all some laughter. Um, you know, we had some great stories. You got to see Double Drop Ranch or at least know, learn about it. You're going to also see some videos coming out about what it really looks like and what all they have available. Um, and we're obviously super thankful for Marco um, for having us out. I don't know if any of the other guys want to say anything else before oh, I yeah, wrap things um, up. Last episode, I said that... Uh, Y'all had Bigfoot out here, and I was just wondering if y'all still do. And now that there's a season in Oklahoma for Bigfoot, I was wondering, like, when do you think, like, maybe Texas will legalize Bigfoot Yeah, hunting? so uh, we have him currently patterning to one of our feeders. Yeah. So um, <laughs> if we want to sit in that blind this evening, we'll think, I think we can make it happen. Right, but uh, do, do you have tags for um, Bigfoot? We're not worried about all that. Okay. okay. So, the game warden. Yeah, so, no, we're, we're, we're good as okay. far as Bigfoot goes. He's been killing a couple things. So, 
Gotcha. Okay. I just want to make it sure. happen. All right. Well, but we cleared we cleared that up. Anybody? So. <laughs> Any. If you see on the Outdoor Holics Instagram page, Bigfoot, Bigfoot Down, you know where it came from. <laughs> what are we talking about? Does any Does anybody else have any questions while we're since since we kind of got off topic? I got a quick one for Marco. Yeah. How old were you when you realized that Santa Claus was not real? Wow. <laughs> Random. Um, <laughs> it's just one of those no, things, point. you know. This actually, story could be 15 minutes. In well, case, okay. yeah, <laughs> I'm just kidding. In case my mom hears this, I'm not going to say the person's name, but an individual told me when I was about six, seven years old, I remember it, that Santa Claus wasn't real. And, and basically, it was like, yeah, I put it out, all that kind of stuff from my friend. Yeah, so I knew. He wasn't real about six or seven. I was pretty heartbroken. You faked um, it, though. Yeah, I faked it. I faked the shit out of it. I think every kid does that. Yeah, I think, I think my mom thought I See, believed I started, in Santa Claus like I started 18, faking so. it at like nine. I'm going to have to make sure that. I started believing it at like 11. I got to make sure Deb's little sister doesn't hear this because I think she still believes in Santa. So we're going to definitely gotcha. make sure that she yeah. does not hear this. Keep I'm going to call her mom and say, hey, our next podcast. She's gonna get bored as hell through the first hour and a half. Oh, yeah. so she has I don't no, think she'll make it no, this yeah, far. She's not. Yeah. She's not listening to it. I don't think her parents would let her. She'll be asleep by uh, now. But yeah, I, I mean, just, six I or just seven. found out that Santa Claus isn't real. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Man. I think that's normal. Helps, that helps us in on some light Sit humor. On a throne of lies. <laughs> this podcast will be out soon. Um, again, we're super happy to have Marco Pardo on the show, guys. Again, he's probably gonna be on our show a ton. He has so much more to tell us. That was only probably an eighth of what he could probably go over, probably less. Um, We have tons of stuff that we're going to do out here all the time. So we're, again, really, really happy. Um, If you you aren't following us, again, on our Instagram, it's the Outdoor Holics. On Facebook, it's the Outdoor Holics. And we are on Spotify and Apple. Those links are in the bios of our social media. But again, this was the Four Peas in a Pod podcast presented by the Outdoor Holics. And check us out. Mm-hmm.